Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number five of Bard's Backlog. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, and joining me, as always this week, the casual gamer, Jared Benson. Hello, everyone. How are you doing, my good friend? We were talking a little bit briefly, just updating each other on COVID, um, but what is life right now? You know, for yeah, <laughs> it's a little more open-ended than I expected, but <laughs> um, life is uh, hectic right now. I, I still work. I'm considered an essential employee. I'm a home health aide. I work with old people, and so... Right. Um, the, yeah, we talked about that last time. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. The scariest version uh, of the my current life is that I get COVID-19 um, because in the facility that I'm working in currently, uh, one of the residents has tested positive. Now they're, really? in, they're in a totally different wing of the fa- facility, but um, it is a distinct possibility because we all use the same entrance to check in and out and uh, right. very, very possible to be honest with you. So, so we'll see what happens and I got to be extra careful, wash his hands extra much and keep the distance and absolutely be yeah. safe. I would just like, as soon as you like get to the car and then when you get home, just like totally strip completely and streak to your house and jump right into the shower. That's yeah. what I would do. <laughs> no, and I in the same, and then don't rewear the same clothes. You just don't know and uh, be yeah. doing laundry as much as you can. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. No, I'm I'm actually starting a job, little life update for the video game Bard um, at Target. So one of the few places that's actually open and offering. Mm-hmm. I actually looked into um, home health aid because of what you were doing mm-hmm. and because it was essential work. Um, I got a little bit of feedback from the, like, 10 places that I applied to, but um, Target ended up moving a little quicker, so going in that direction. But I'm kind of worried similarly, just like the fact that I'm going to be around so many, I mean, way more people. Right. Like, I have very much lived the um, quarantine life. Mm-hmm. Like, I have been very cut off and been very careful about every time I go out I have my own mask and everything so it's going to be a bit of a shift and I I know we're getting towards the end of everything but definitely going to be a shift for me just being around people and I'm kind of trying to scheme out exactly how I'm going to handle that and obviously the streaking was option number one for me (laughs) (laughs) Um, not that I'm going to no that'd be terrible actually it's a little too cold here (laughs) it's a little too cold still yeah (laughs) It really is. Um, But in any case, this is Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into our Hall of Games. Hall of Games, of course, made up of a variety of titles. We kind of tackle them a bit randomly, so it's not like there's any rhythm or rhyme to what exactly we're doing next. Um, But we, uh, Jared and I, are the gatekeepers and, like I like to say, subsequent executioners of any video game candidate including today's. Um, And Bard's Backlog, the goal is really just to create a catalog of um, high-quality games for people to check out, and then also to kind of talk through what makes them special and why we love them. Last time we went through Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, which I can actually say now um, because I took time and practiced. And um, that was a really good episode. I'd recommend that. A little bit more of a, a subtle suggestion because we didn't get to finish the game exactly but um that was our last one and joining jumping into this week we've got a really exciting title on hand so we'll be getting into that um but i i I have down here of course the COVID update i i'm just ready 
personally to be we were talking a little bit about this but i'm ready to just like burst back out there onto the scene and just like pass this whole pandemic i mean it's really interesting like i find it incredibly interesting that we are actually living through a real life pandemic you know and that we'll be able to just like reminisce about this but at the same time i'm just wondering if humanity is ever going to be able to get back to normal you know yeah like it just feels like we're not going to at this point i don't know um, those but, old action movies where they um, would have DEFCON 1 all the way up to DEFCON 5 and uh, I think even right. like One Punch Man has that like uh, you know DEFCON like God tier threat or something like that <laughs> and I would consider us at like DEFCON 1 like we really haven't done too much more than isolate and sanitize um, okay. and you know to me like global pandemic that's like movie level quality is going to be wiping out way more people that's true. Um, you know what I mean? That's true. But yeah. I do feel like it is definitive. You know, it's, it's DEFCON 1. It is not a normal situation. It's not nothing to worry about. And uh, it has been interesting to try to adjust for sure. What is it? I think it's called The Strain or something um, where it has a bunch of – there's like 15 different movie stars in it and they're all like getting killed by the like what starts out as like something like the common cold mm-hmm. and it spreads across. Maybe it's actually called Pandemic. I don't know. But uh, – yeah, no, I guess you're right. It could get a lot worse. I never really thought about it in that light. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, certainly not trying to depress you, but on, on your to go, you know, I can I can run outside, but I mean, lifting weights, getting into the gym, getting that routine in, right? You know, so for sure. Really, like, but that's the thing. Like, how many people are going to want to? Like, everyone's so much more aware of germs now. Like, are people even gonna be like as active and as gym heavy as they used to be you know you know i don't know if i'm going to be yeah maybe that's a good point if i think if everyone is aware of it i think that uh you know my gym was pretty good about wiping equipment down i rarely saw anyone leave an equipment i don't think i've ever seen anyone leave equipment without wiping it down everyone's really uh you know courteous about that and and everything i think now people will wipe it down before they get on and then also after they get off (laughs) instead of just maybe after they get off or anything but but yeah so um yeah, it'll be, but the gym is my happy place. That's why I say that. I, sure. I like the environment no, and everything. So, well, um, with this episode five, hopefully this isn't our last episode before one of us gets COVID. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Um, of course, you can submit questions to Jared and I via Twitter specifically uh, for our default segment or for the game that we'll be covering. I'm going to try and do a little bit better with announcing that ahead of time we've kind of been making things up as we go along like i said um but today i'll be able to announce what game we're covering next and um you guys can submit questions to us like i said via twitter so that's i'm at video game bard and then jared is at jared t ben Mm -hmm. a and then e in that name so not the other way around because you can spell that all sorts of different ways jared like Um, the jewelry store okay perfect there you go um, what's their slogan? I can't, I was just about to say it and then it totally lost. I think it's just mind. a tune. It's gotta be Jared. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so with that in mind, let's jump into our first segment, the games we play in. Jared, you have here a little game called Rocket League. Yep. How has that been? <laughs> Well, the bottom line is that I suck. Um, 
Um, but Rocket League is, uh, in short, just a timeless competitive game with eye-popping visuals and a stomach-turning level of control. It's a fantastic party game. Invite your friends over, play casually, uh, have a couple of drinks. It is a wild time. It's one of those... It just feels more accessible because it's on yeah. all platforms. You know, it's not like you have to have a certain yeah, type no. of friend to bring them over and play Mario Party, which is a game we've talked about before. But Rocket League, everyone's so familiar with. It's very mainstream. Uh, it's on all platforms. Everyone's familiar with it. So it's a really great party game. Um, but it is difficult <laughs> to be good at. <laughs> it's basically like acrobat car soccer. Oh, yeah. Like. You're just flying through the air. And I, I personally like have gotten into it in the past. I haven't played it for probably a couple of years now. But um, it can get really, I think, addicting um, once you get semi-good at it. Like Obviously, if you suck at it, I don't know how much fun it is for the casuals. But um, if you can kind of like start to hone in on just like the finesse of it, because there's a, definitely a finesse to it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It can be a ton of fun. Um, and they have a lot of variety now, right? They have a lot of different game modes and stuff that you can play. You know, I didn't even get the full package. I just went right to the classic game mode, which is, you know, a quick play okay. match between like six people or so. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a wild ride every time, even on the simplest level. So cool. Yeah. Rocket League, definitely a good game to, um, suggest the game before that was called, I think like super powered acrobatic, um, Hypercar or something like that. It, it had like six name letters, letters, no, <laughs> six um, words in the title. It was really long. So Rocket League's. A Yo, dude, more you want to come over digestible. and play some S P C H T Y? Said superpower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Definitely a good game. I've been playing um, Control. Has been my like big game. I've been tackling over the last couple mm-hmm. weeks since our last episode. Um, and I had actually started it but I didn't really want to jump into it right away um, when we were talking about Nino Kuni. But Control is a hyper-action game that came out last year. It won a ton of Game yep. of the Year yep. awards, so it's at that caliber. We um, actually mentioned it in our first know. episode, I think, when we were talking about Game of the Year. I mean, that might not, not, might not have been yeah. Bart's backlog, but it definitely came up in our conversation. Yeah, back when it was my favorite video game. No, we... We definitely did tackle it. Do you know anything about the game, Jared? No, I just know that you the, the format's unique. You gain powers as you go along, and you're fighting through one building. That's really okay. all I know about it, yeah. Actually, that kind of that kind of sums it up. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's an interesting game. I would say, like, I don't want to curse, but I call it the video game version of a mind um, F-bomb because it is, it is bizarre, like truly bizarre in the way that it, story is told and in the way that the um abilities and everything play out so you kind of end up becoming a superhero throughout the game but it's all cerebral like everything that's happening is very much like they they talk a lot about the astral plane and there's a lot of different beings that kind of come through that and um the world itself is constantly shifting um or like the the world when i say the world you're you're playing as a lady named jesse as she fights um something that she calls the hiss through like you said one building the federal bureau of control so it's got a lot of like bureaucratic elements you know you've got like the shady government doing a lot of things and experimenting and trying to crack through to the fourth dimension and stuff like that and like you're seeing the effects of that on the world itself um 
I have it written down here, lots of tele gameplay. Like there's a lot of telepathy and telekinetic yep. powers and um, televisions and stuff like that. Does it and remind actually, you of uh, Dishonored at all? Um, you know, I've not personally played Dishonored. Oh, okay. So, all right, okay. Yeah. Is Dishonored um, kind of cerebral in that way? Just like a lot of like heady concepts? Well, um, it's part like uh, Dishonored is more of a, I would say like a grungy kind okay. of uh, medieval Assassin's Creed control okay. mashup like but there is some tele gameplay that's what the only re- the really the big reason gotcha that. gotcha yeah. gotcha probably then um that's really the biggest draw and the hook as far as the gameplay is concerned is the um the abilities that you can unlock after a while you can even gain the ability to fly through the air and then um you've got like telekinesis so you can grab things and pull them towards you and um the hiss itself is like this weird kind of other dimensional being that inhabits people and if they don't have what they call hra strapped to their chest they can be overtaken by this being and um a lot of those are the enemies that you're fighting constantly throughout the building and there's just a lot of interesting little concepts like that being thrown around left and right i just played a really amazing section called um the ashtray maze and you're just uh, like it totally wraps up perfectly like all the best elements of this game um and i really don't want to spoil it but i would look up if you guys are even curious about the game at all look up the ashtray maze and that'll definitely sell you on control um but it's a weird game it's a it's a really weird just like cerebral game and i've been loving it and really looking forward to finishing it. I'm probably like 75% of the way through. Um, all the uh, quarantining, quarantining that's been happening has really allowed me to tackle um, quite a few games. But this one has really stood out um, from the pack this year. So definitely well worth all of the um, nominations that it got. And I can understand why so many people clicked with it. But at the same time... Um, it's weird. <laughs> just be aware, it's, yeah. Yeah, just be aware. It's a weird game, but um, I like it. My wife has been watching a lot and kind of like picking up on some of the story elements, and she thinks it's really weird too, but um, it's riveting enough that she's been interested, so that should say something. Um, Jared, you also have here, you're playing a game called Seven Deadly Sins Grand Cross. Yeah. Uh, what what the heck? <laughs> so if you're familiar with um, Netflix and you've wandered into the anime section, even if you've never watched any of it, Seven Deadly Sins is one that they push because it's a Netflix original. It's fantastic. It got great reviews. It's a chaotic uh, medieval mess of a show, but it's fantastic. And then this is their spinoff game, which actually pulls directly from the anime as far as how it opens, the opening scenes and everything like that. But this has been my most recent foray into turn-based mobile strategy games. You know, you attack, the enemy attacks, you attack, the enemy attacks, that kind of thing. And um, it's okay. You know, maybe I'm still getting used to it, but like, I'm so sick of uh, games that just have this need because it's so complex they have this need for really unenjoyable heavy-handed tutorials Mm, it just bogs me down and it kills all of the enthusiasm i have going into a game um so I'm, i'm still getting used to it but i prefer games that kind of slowly drop you into the complexity of what you can do open the world slowly um, sure. I think a lot of the best games build that way intentionally and they try to simplify it. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that makes the game more accessible. So this game is just an explosion. And most games are like that. Civilization games, you can like, you know, they try to connect you to the whole world and you can also build cities and labs and Clash of Clans is a little bit like that, although it's better right. formatted. But but it's a similar game to that. It's just a little overwhelming. So it's okay. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it, but it's all right. Is it worth it if you're interested in the series? Like, would you say that it's at a quality enough? Like no, I someone? would just say you might want to check it out if you like turn-based strategy games, but if you um the quality is okay as far as like what they're showing you, but you definitely don't need it to enjoy the anime. Um okay. so no. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, um I probably most of your like suggestions I end up being like, "Ooh, really interested" right after, but this has been one of the ones I'm kind of like, uh, probably not." <laughs> you know, no, and I I think that's fair. I if you if you know what you like, you can check it out, but I just it's all right. It's it's whatever. <laughs> one of the things that I like about our show, the way you have this formatted is that we kind of have like the game of the episode and then a bunch of other games that we can either discard or have like an honorable mention to um you know gotcha, the game yeah. we play in segment i really like that speaking of which yeah. before we get to our main game you have here captain toad i'm intrigued what is this so captain toad treasure tracker is a quaint cute twist on the mario style platformer um you play as captain toad and then also toadette partway through the game and um it's really a unique and fantastic little game um it came out in for the Wii U, which is when I first encountered it, but it's on the Switch and I just couldn't help myself but pick it up again and they've added a lot to it as far as content is concerned, so it was well worth the purchase. But the um the game itself is based off of um a concept, a Japanese concept of um like model gardens, like little gardens that they have that they can store in their own home. I can't remember what the actual term is. But it's like a very um, cultural thing that they like to do where they have um, these square setups that um, this game really just borrows from where it, they're little multi-layered square levels that rely on perspective. So uh, Captain Toad gets dropped in on the level and you can twist the level around to kind of see different parts of it. And it really is clever um, in the way that the levels are laid out and they're all incredibly cutesy and interesting, um, the way that they're designed and they're little, they're little challenges. Like they're not big challenges or anything that's incredibly difficult to tackle. And in fact, most of the levels pass by within... I probably get through them within three minutes. It's not like even um, an incredibly long thing. Even in like a Mario game, when you're traversing a regular like 2D Mario platformer level, um, those are even a bit longer than these little um, square levels are. But it's fun. Like it's it's really just quaint and cute and um, enjoyable. The cleverness of the game, and I would say it's incredibly clever. Um, comes in the way that it's traversed so each of these levels captain toad the whole conceit is that unlike mario he can't jump so you're dropped into a level and you're just trying to make your way through track down treasure in it Um, i try to collect all the different there's like gems in each level um i try to collect those but a lot of them are themed after different things like um a lot of them are mario-esque themed so like you can get like a ghost mansion level and then um there are like even minecart levels here and there, but they're they're great. Each and every single one is a new little experience, I would say. 
um, as you click into the level itself and it pops up and maybe it's one like there was um, a specific one centered around these totems that pop up throughout the level and um, as you walk through and hit different buttons the level changes and shifts um, and the way that your perspective works you have to be constantly paying attention as it shifts to um, what exactly is changing so that you can take advantage of that and it really just it's a it's a great little game for people that maybe would be interested in that and actually i would suggest this to just about anyone um if they're into platformers at all it's a it's captain toad treasure tracker very interesting game um so that's that after uh, i've played mario odyssey with all the really great wonderfully designed you know 2d levels that they incorporate into the game this sounds like something i'd want to jump into honestly and i'm honestly, not really a big even, platformer no, um, even if you're slightly interested in in that, I'd say wonderfully designed levels. This is a game for that, and it's and it's not difficult. Like it's not gonna make you um, have to work to jump from platform to platform because you can't even jump. So it's a little bit more puzzly in that you're just kind of walking through the level and you're um, using the perspective a lot. Like you have complete control over the rotation of the level itself. Um, from the get-go as soon as you drop in on it so it's a little square and then you can kind of just rotate around and see everything that's going on um, and, and and really even like trying to watch it like I was trying to get my wife to watch this game and just be like look at this cool little game that I have um, it's not the same as when you're playing it just feels good and um, I would highly suggest it to anyone who's even mildly interested in a Mario game this one I would say is even not better per se, but um, it's just got its own thing going and really works well for what it is. And I love the concept, the way that it's based on these little model Japanese gardens. And um, that really just drives the whole thing through the entire time. Uh, someone had a good idea. Like you can tell like someone had yes. like this little like brilliant spark of an idea and they took that and ran with it and made a whole game out of it. And it's awesome. There you go. Highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. A little bit more than control, I would say, just because it's a little more universal. Um, sure. Of a appeal. But um, with that said, that is the games we're playing this week. Um, you guys can hit us up on Twitter if you're interested in telling us what you've been playing. Of course, quarantine, everyone's been playing all sorts of different things. Um, I have a friend who's been diving deep into Horizon Zero Dawn, another great game I would love to replay. But uh, let us know what you guys are playing. And um, give us recommendations to play. Like, I I can do... I'll go out and spend a couple bucks on really any mobile game or uh, Switch game. I don't mind. That's more my domain recently, just with... Because I don't have uh, an Xbox or PlayStation 4, unfortunately, yet. Working on it, but not yet. And uh, Josh can probably handle anything else you want to recommend. But definitely recommend to us games. We would love that. Yeah, and, and you know, I've been having a lot of people give me feedback outside of the podcast and that's fine um if nobody wants to have something read on the podcast itself of course you guys can still reach out to us regardless um but with that in mind let's go ahead and jump into our default segment for this week the world right now cannot get enough of the nintendo switch speaking of um this is a little story that Jared actually um, 
pointed out to me that I want to read here, but um, this is from CNN. Nintendo pauses Nintendo Switch shipments to Japan amid a global shortage. So just a perfect storm here for Nintendo, thanks to the crisis. And uh, I'll read this, and then we can talk about it a little bit, Jared. But um, it says, Nintendo has paused shipments of the Nintendo Switch and Switch Lite from its production facilities in China and Vietnam to Japan amid global shortages of the popular video game consoles. The company confirmed to CNN Business that there will be no new shipments of the Nintendo Switch and the Switch Lite this week to Japan apart from pre-orders. It tweeted in Japanese on Tuesday that it would update customers next week on the shipping schedule. Demand for Nintendo Switch soared thanks to Animal Crossing New Horizons and the surge in home gaming during COVID-19, Lisa Hansen, president of Nico Partners, a research firm that focuses on the gaming industry in Asia, told CNN Business. She noted that the sales of the Switch in Japan surged 240% in March compared to a year ago. Nintendo could be mitigating in the uh, the short global supply issue by limiting shipments to Japan when demand there may be lower in April after big sales in March, Hansen added. On February 6th, Nintendo announced it was dealing with production delays in China due to the ongoing pandemic. Even though Nintendo began to move part of its manufacturing to Vietnam in 2019, it still relies on China for supply. The company declined to say how much the supply chain has recovered since then. Um... Nintendo said in a statement, Nintendo Switch hardware is selling out at various retail locations in the U.S., but more systems are on the way. We apologize for the inconvenience. Um, And the article just closes out really fast, just noting the fact that people are really just looking for Nintendo Switches right now. The price is doubled in some places on eBay. You can be selling it for like 500 bucks right now. Um, The Walmart um, or not the Walmart, the um, on Walmart's website, the Animal Crossing edition of the Switch, which is the limited edition that just came out earlier this year, is marked up to eight hundred bucks, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> it's crazy. But then again, um, you know, I'd pay a grand for a phone, so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, uh, man, what do you think about this story, Jared? You know, it's a good time to be alive if you're have Nintendo stock. You know, <laughs> hey. Actually, I don't even know if they're a public company. They might be. They're probably public, right? But um, I think so. Yeah, they yeah. Are. But uh, no, it's a it is a perfect storm. In addition to COVID, you know, um, shortening the supply of the video game console, you have a bunch of people staying indoors and wanting to play video games. Now's the time. They have more free time. Let's order a Switch, right. dude. I follow people on Twitter, middle aged moms who are playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but this game has taken off and the hype leading up to that point i really you know i'd heard about it i was excited about it we mentioned it but it really is the perfect storm you know the release of the switch coupled with breath of the wild and then big games released over time this is the next biggest game that they've released on the switch and it is definitely uh it has definitely been a hype creator it's been awesome so i'm excited yeah about and it. and what a game like for this specific crisis to go like, for sure this like escapist island game like animal crossing could not have so perfectly landed um and yet here we are and and it's it's really become like a second life for people um karina actually my wife got the switch that is now 
could be sold at like 800 bucks. I've been thinking a lot about that. <laughs> but um, she has that Animal Crossing version and she like loves it so much and, and she's been putting all kinds of time into her island um, and it's just like the perfect juxtaposition to the pandemic. It's just crazy. Um, and Nintendo, of course, I mean, and it makes sense that they're like seeing a surge. I mean, think about if you have kids at home, right? What are you going to do to keep them occupied? Right. Of course you could do a quick run to target, grab one of these things and, um, give it to them. And so of course everyone's kind of just like running on the stores already. And this is another thing that it's a nice, perfect console for just being at home the hybrid version of it where you can um, put it into the dock, but then also use it and even just like lay in bed and play. It's just so perfect for this time that we're in. So good on them. Uh, and hopefully there'll be a little bit more. I mean, we were, my, my wife and I were looking for a console for her sister because she's been seeing all the animal crossing stuff and has been like livid that she doesn't have her own console. <laughs> so we, we've been like on the lookout just trying to keep an eye out for them. And it has been insane how how rare they are at this point in time. Um, and the Switch is, what, like three and a half years old now? Yeah. Like, this is not a new console, and yet they're seeing shortages around the world in the midst of a global pandemic because of how great of a console it is. Um, I mean, there's not really much else to say about it other than that, but we were able to actually find one um, yesterday, and we spent the whole day kind of like putting it going out getting it and then like my wife was sitting online and it popped up in store at target as she was checking it out and and they had just got a shipment in like we were as we pulled up into the store we could see the um the truck in the back like with them like bringing in all the supplies and everything so <laughs> she had like literally jumped on it as it happened and the guy at the front was like oh yeah i haven't seen these in forever and so she he was all surprised as well that we got one there you go um and then we spent the day packing it and sending it to our sister. So uh, pretty cool. But the world just can't get in enough of that Nintendo Switch right now. Very interesting story. So uh, that's our default segment for this week. Um, if you are looking for a Switch, uh, good luck. Because <laughs> now is definitely not the time. If you want but, a Switch, you might reach out to me on Twitter. I might be able to find one at a store nearby, and we could figure that out. Um, if, if that's something you're interested in, we could work that out probably. There you go. Because I've seen some in the stores. Uh, they're not you know, they're not as hot of an item here. <laughs> okay. Jared offering his services. I guess maybe it's just like, obviously it's a regional thing. But, yes, definitely a regional uh, thing, yeah. Yeah. Poor Japan. They're getting theirs completely cut off on the side of pre-orders, but... With that in mind, let's go ahead and put that segment aside and jump into the pick of the week. And this week, we are going to be talking about the fabulous Super Mario Odyssey. Released October 2017 on the Nintendo Switch, Super Mario Odyssey is the most recent installment in the longest-running 3D Mario series and the spiritual successor to Super Mario 64. And my, oh my, what a game it is. Yeah, Jared, absolutely. first impressions, what was like as you got into the game, how, how did you feel about Mario Odyssey? You know, I, I was like, okay, impress me. 
that's really what was my expectation going in because mm. I remember the emotional gut punch that was um, Super Mario Galaxy and the whole like top you know that that game powered the sale of the Wii just like Animal Crossing is now powering the sale of the Switch um, because of its world bending. Uh, gravity, the way that you could run around on small planets and it really did change. You know, you're always being pulled towards the center of the planet and you had to jump around and accommodate things like that. But this game um, has more of a flat dynamic. You show up at a world that has limited boundaries, small kingdom worlds, and um, you have to... The way the gameplay is styled, you take a cap and you throw it at something and uh, Josh will explain the capture dynamic a little bit more later. But... um, you throw a cap and that's how you navigate around the world but the entire game feels like a speed run and in a sense it is i finished the game probably with less than 10 hours of total gameplay now that's because i was taking my time a little bit too if you're speed running through this thing and like going as fast as you can getting the bare minimum so you can move on to the next level you could probably finish this game in six hours um uh, i don't know if you'd agree with that josh maybe i'm overestimating but no i mean that's definitely pretty close it's a fast pace it game is very sure. fast pace but it, it's also very very accessible i would recommend i was talking to josh about you know this before the podcast it's very accessible if you want to get into the mario world you've never done it before this game you will love no matter what genre of games you like playing this game is quick everything feels like a speed run um and it's it's super addicting yeah, I was. Uh, it's interesting comparing it to Mario Galaxy. I, I was thinking about this the other day. the uh, the The difference is is obvious, and and I like that you say emotional because that's that's a big thing I think Galaxy has over Odyssey. Um, it's just this. It's grandiose, like um, fills you with a sense of awe that Odyssey really doesn't have. Odyssey is a lot more of a frenetic, um, just like joyride trip of just like flying through the idea of mario and galaxy was a little bit more of a um epic i would say just like really trying to um fill you with a sense of awe i remember when i first got galaxy um i was it was actually at a time similar thing to right now where there was a shortage of switches um there's a shortage of wii's and it was because it was new and mario galaxy was out like you said and um I I finally like found a used Wii, was able to get that at home, and at the same time was able to pick up a copy of Mario Galaxy, and I spent the evening just in this sense of wonder um, as they took this concept of galaxies, this concept of planets, and really just like fleshed it out on this incredibly deep level across multiple different um galaxies and everything and 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 the way that the i i I brought this up um to jared a little bit ago but the way that the music really just like ties into it um really puts it on just this very high pinnacle for me absolutely i you know i really dig the tone of odyssey and a lot of that has to do with the music instead of the deep emotional impact that came with mario galaxy this game you know, Odyssey says, welcome to Odyssey. Just how good are you at, at Mario? And it's, yeah. it's more of a, it, it is different from that epic. In quite a literal sense, the scale is much smaller. Whereas Mario Odyssey, or sorry, excuse me, Mario Galaxy seemed to take its time in like demonstrating here, there are universes, galaxies, a way that you need to go save. The scale was way bigger. And you're you're starting from this uh, floating space station as your home base. Whereas Mario Odyssey is just the planet. 
you're literally just on planet Earth, and then you go to the moon. <laughs> but right. the scale is definitively smaller. But I also think that they don't take themselves as seriously. Like you said, the music. Um, the music is so interesting to Odyssey. I think they even come up with like a full-length original song um, You know, I for think there's, Metro. There's two, actually. Yeah. Um, one partway through, and I really want to talk about that when we get to it a little later. But um, And then another at the very end that was surprising. Um and they do they they take this um idea of they they really just want to put you on a a frenetic like fast paced vacation is really what it is yes. and just take you from location to location and show you as many cool things as they possibly can in as short amount of time as they possibly can and because of that like you said it's just fast you it's know, just a fast game. What I will say is, um, yeah, it is it is super fast, but I will say it's a less cohesive package than Mario Sunshine and Mario Galaxy. And the reason why that it seems that way, uh, and it is that way in my opinion, is because they took like all of their best ideas and crammed it into this one game. All of their best like mechanical movement. Uh, mechanics ideas like from uh, from the idea that you can capture another creature and use its abilities that Mario doesn't have that would be unnatural for Mario to have and they're all unique and, and different whereas in Mario Sunshine you you had a stiffer gameplay it was more restricted it was harder it was more technical but because of that it had a more cohesive feel uh does that make sure. sense Josh um yeah no it does I agree yeah. So I, I think Odyssey feels like kind of like frenetic is the word and it, it does feel um, a little mishmash, but in the best possible way. You're constantly surprised when you get to a new kingdom. Hey, I can do this now. This is different. This is new. This is unique. Um, there's so much to this game and it's it's great all around. Every little thing that they do is innovative in a way and I absolutely love it. Yeah, and that really does tie into the capture mechanic, which turns everything on Mario on its head. Um, and they do a great job of introducing, I think it's, it's just funny to me thinking about like the actual like terror of what a capture mechanic would mean because <laughs> Mario is essentially oh, inhabiting, <laughs> like he's, he's like going into these beings, like, overtaking <laughs> their mind. Like, <laughs> I've never like, thought of it that way. That's a, that's a little, uh, what's your favorite that- capture? You, well, first, oh. first explain. I feel like we've missed this a little bit. Mario is Peach is being against her will forced to marry Bowser, and sure. Mary is uh, galloping, gallivanting across the globe, picking up typical wedding things. Like one of the worlds is like the bubbly kingdom, and he gets champagne, <laughs> and one of the right, worlds right. is like the ice kingdom, and he gets a frosted wedding cake. You know, so it's you're follow you're chasing down Bowser as he's trying to force Peach to marry him, and on the way you meet this Cappy. And he can do go, take it away, Josh. Yeah. So Cappy is um, this little floating ghost, and honestly, I don't really care for um, a lot of the new things, like new creatures and things that are added to this game, and that includes the Cappy race. And there's a whole race of them, of these like floating hat ghost things. And he reveals to Mario that he can essentially take over um, a creature. If he is placed on onto the creature, so Mario, all Mario has to do is throw Cappy, um, who takes on the form of Mario's hat, and just <laughs> and sits on Mario's head. Um, um, all that Mario has to do is throw Cappy onto a creature, and then he gets transported into that and essentially becomes it, complete with a, <laughs> like a nose and a mustache. And a mustache. <laughs> yeah. So like, essentially, Mario teams up with this like. 
uh, vicious parasitic race <laughs> to take out Bowser. <laughs> and it's 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 cool. Like it, it really is. Like and, and it totally changes. Like I said, it totally changes the dynamic of Mario. Yeah. Um, fundamentally, because before, like Mario, a lot of the times it's it's based off of like the real like crux of any Mario game is his movement. Yes. Um, platforming obviously is the key to all of his games, but um, he's able to du- jump, double jump, triple jump, like in this game, do backflips, um, and, and and you're able to do all of that still. But before this game, if you wanted to change how Mario acted, you needed to get a, a power up. And a lot of the times, all it did would just give him a new ability. You know, the fire flower gives him the ability to throw fireballs for a short period of time sometimes, you know, like oftentimes even like limited amounts of time. This capture mechanic, the ability to just overtake anything in the game, at least not anything, but just about everything. And it's really surprising how in-depth they go with it. Um, It takes the idea of a power-up and instead turns everything in the world into um, not only a power-up, but a whole new, like, control, like, ability of control, um, a a new set of, like, things that you can do. And it's it's really interesting, I, I think, and definitely uh, funny when you actually think about like the fact that Mario is diving into these creatures' heads and um, <laughs> becoming them. <laughs> but um, yeah, the capture mechanic is definitely like really what sets this game apart from all the other games, and also what makes it so frenetic because you're constantly just throwing your cap around, <clears throat> using it to knock out other creatures, and then. Um, becoming literally anything i mean you can throw it at a goomba and mario becomes the goomba and the goomba of course is just this mushroom like creature with two feet so you can't really do a whole lot with him but you can also become a bullet bill which are like and that's the thing like it's so ingenious of a mechanic because um what was this old very um traditional mario element is now this new ability of control and gameplay um, so you can become a bullet bill and soar through the air. You can throw his hat at, and there's even some interesting things and some truly bizarre ones as well. Uh, we'll get to that, but, uh, you can throw his hat at a, at a power line and he becomes a ball of electricity that can shoot through the power line. Um, and it's, it's this very specific mechanic that really just fundamentally changes, um, what Mario is and what he can do. And, and they use it in a lot of really interesting and fun ways. The, it's interesting so. too because it's not like like think about um some other maybe some other games in which you have to I don't know let's say load up for lack of a better term like um, um like Titanfall think about the or the game that where they drop robots from the sky and you know you, I sure. think it's called Titanfall right that's a whole process in of itself to get to that robot climb in the robot use the robot whereas with yeah, you Mario's, build up to the ability yep with Mario's capture it's there from the start and then two each of these creatures has a very simple one-off ability uh, you're not like dealing with a second Mario whereas later in the game you can get Yoshi which is cool that's a cool dynamic um, you can capture Yoshi although instead of riding him which feels a little weird <laughs> but uh but you but right off you this very quick quick gameplay that each of these creatures is fast their abilities are fast you can just like i said the whole game feels like a speed run and each of the characters like doesn't slow down 
for for anything. It's very unique. Um, it keeps the game fresh, interesting, different on every level, uh, and you'll zoom through it and love every second of it. Josh, one of the things that you mentioned about this game that has is different from others is again the music and you mentioned two major music moments and i totally agree with you but i'd love for you to elaborate yeah um really like when we're talking about and i think a juxtaposition to galaxy is a great way to do it um the the difference in music in this game this like like we said this is the idea of frenetic so the music plays to that a lot of um traditional mario themes and stuff can be heard in the background for um, parts of it, which is cool, but, um, instead of being this, like in Galaxy, the music is very, um, uh, like celestial, I would say. Yes. Yes. That's a great tries, word. Yep. Yeah. It tries to get you to feel just like this sense of wonder. This one is a lot more like, Hey, this is great. We're all having a good time. Let's go ahead and do this next thing. And and you're really just, it's throwing all kinds of different ideas at you constantly. And the music backs that up perfectly. Um, and I really do want to talk about the kingdoms and maybe we can just shift this. And, and, and cause I want to get to these music moments, um, for sure. But let's, I want to talk about this whole game based on the kingdoms because there's a limited amount and they're really what make this game different from galaxy. So galaxy is a game full of galaxies and each of them are these little levels that play out in a bunch of unique ways. Um, and they go around the fundamental, um, idea of gravity. Whereas, and this is where this game is more of a spiritual successor to super Mario 64. Um, Odyssey has kingdoms and the kingdoms are um, multi-layered levels that are really just um, bursting full of things to do and and moons to get. And that's the other thing that this game does. Instead of um, as soon as you get... In the previous games, in previous Mario games, you get stars, right? Yep. And you're hunting down different stars and each star is essentially its own level. In this one, moons are the replacement of stars. And instead of being their own level they're just scattered throughout like these like tons of collectibles all over these levels and it doesn't kick you back when you collect one um which is something that the other games did as soon as you got one it was like this big moment and you would start back at the beginning of either like in mario galaxy you'd get put back into the um observatory in mario 64 you'd go out of the painting and then have to jump back into the painting if you wanted to get another star this, this game doesn't do that. It doesn't kick you out. And that's part of the freneticness and the fast pace of it. You get that moon, and then you can just keep going. Exactly. Like Mario does a quick little spin, yep. gets the moon, and then you get to keep exploring. Yep. And there are so many. I think the total in the game is 999. Which is insane. Um, that's insane. That is crazy. Um, I think the most that they had before, I think Mario Ga- Galaxy 2 had like 300 s- stars, and that was both with them being doubled um so i think there was only like 150 maybe 200 um original stars and keep your thought but i just wanted to add this is why this is another reason why the game is so accessible because they've seemed to have lowered the bar and we're going to talk about uh dying in a second but it's very easy to get a power moon one of the essential uh modes of transportation and getting around and stuff it's very easy to get that they've really lowered the bar and so that's why i think it's a great entry level mario game that's just another reason sorry go, josh go yeah. ahead and, the, and there's so many like you said like um it's it's easily accessible to collect the moons that you need 
And initially, when the game starts, um, when you arrive at a kingdom, and obviously Mario's chasing Bowser as he's going along and, like you said, collecting all of these um, wedding gift stuff. And um, when you reach a level, um, when you reach a kingdom, you are tasked with getting a certain amount of moons. But it's really not that hard to get them. And a lot of the times, you'll just stumble upon one. Um as you're exploring, or maybe you'll like see something interesting in the distance. And then as you go over, sure enough, there's a little bit of a challenge there yep. and you can get them. Um, but I really do want to get into the idea of the kingdoms and um, run along with that. And we can tackle these one by one. So the game starts out with the cap kingdom. Um, and this is where Cappy and his race of parasitic, um, <laughs> Parasitic floating, headgear. <laughs> yeah, headgear that are like inhabiting creatures and taking over their minds without any, um, like, th- these poor animals. Yeah, there's no terms of say. agreement. There's no <laughs> Apple signature at the, you know, sign and agree. There's nothing. They just take what they want. Um, and the Cap Kingdom is this really cool um, gray and black um, aesthetic level. And it, it, introduces you to the idea of cappy introduces you to the um mechanic of capturing um which starts out with a frog and the frog is basically just a high jumping um little creature so it kind of takes the idea of mario who's already a jumping um character and just kind of makes it a little more simple and introducing the capture mechanic which i thought was really cool um and then it also introduces you to the brutals jared what did you think of the brutals um, I thought they were a little lame, but I mean, you know, I agree. It's not, you know, it's not as terrifying as some of the bosses that you fight in, um, uh, like Mario Sunshine, even or Galaxy. You know, whereas you're dealing with maybe like a, a rabid piranha plant or a giant squid. You know, the Brutals were kind of this simple. I don't know. It's it's like the Junior Bowser fights um that you you've had in previous mario games so it's right. pretty just jump on the head kind of simple stuff i just thought they were a little lame but you know didn't i didn't ruin they, the game for me but no but like I, I mean when you think about like galaxy or like even sunshine like they had these very i don't know standout characters yeah i can't imagine exactly. the brutals being used again in another game forgettable is and the word yes forgettable for sure and, I, and that was something i like playing through it again really noticed is I was just like, man, these guys are b- like lame. Yeah. They're just kind of lame, especially compared to like how vibrant and exciting the world is. And um, Mario's capture mechanic and his ability to really just inhabit all sorts of things really be- like is just fun and interesting and crazy. They are not. Um, so you get introduced to these guys who are basically like um, contract killers for Bowser who are trying to stop who are trying to stop they're Mario. henchmen hitmen bunnies <laughs> yeah they're like hitmen bunnies and they um you have to fight them and they all have hats and so you gotta like knock off their hat to be able to jump on their head um and interesting that like they when they not don't have hats you can't inhabit them not sure why but um I guess that's where the limitation of they can't capture bunnies um <laughs> these little caps <laughs> and that's the other thing that this game does anything that has a hat you can't capture so you have to be aware of that um but if it doesn't have a hat more than likely you can capture it um and the cap kingdom does a really good job of just kind of introducing you to those elements and then you take off at the very end of it to the cascade kingdom 
Um, and the Cascade Kingdom, one of my favorite kingdoms in the whole game, is this, like, it's called Fossil Falls. It's based on, um, like, I guess, like, uh, ancient, not the word, I'm, what is the word I'm thinking for? Um, you know, dinosaurs, ancient, kind of like prehistoric. Yeah, yeah. It, prehistoric, yeah. that's the word I'd like to use, yeah. Prehistoric, like, aesthetic, and it's really yeah. cool and really mm-hmm. gorgeous and also op- opens up... Um, your ability to capture um the one of the first things you come across is um a chomp chomp and chomp chomps initially in a mario game are terrifying they're like these big like metal chomping balls they're hard to avoid to a chain yeah they're hard to avoid and they can usually just knock you out and they're usually really fast moving and instead of being terrifying of it and this is what sets the game apart from all kinds of other mario games it's not a challenge. Instead, it's a new experience because you can just throw your cap at exactly. it, yep. overtake it, and then next thing you know, you're a chain chomp. And you're, did I call it a chomp chomp? You're a chain chomp. And um, you can use the chain chomp to kind of just like bounce around, knock stuff out. Um, and then right after that, right after that specific um, capture, you're introduced to another crazier capture, which is a dinosaur itself. Um, it's funny as Nintendo's affinity for dinosaurs. <laughs> like even yeah. in Luigi's Mansion Three, they incorporated dinosaurs however they could. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and and this this uh, Cascade Falls is one of the few places where you can find a dinosaur. But um, Mario creeps up on a dinosaur, and it, and sure enough, it's like one of those. It, and this is the game, like the beauty of the game. Like I have this thought. I approach the dinosaur, and I'm like. No. Yeah, no way. Like, like, yeah, can I actually, like, do something? Because you're starting to get trained at this point. Like, okay, throw your hat at something, and you connect with it, and who knows, like, what's going to happen after that? Um, And that was what the feeling I got with this dinosaur. It was like, okay, really? Like, is this thing going to chase me? Like, is this about to be a boss fight? Like, what's going to happen? But nope, all you have to do is throw your cap at it, and then all of a sudden, you become the dinosaur and can just rampage through the entire level. <laughs> um, and I think, like, and that's really why this game is cool. And where this game, I think, is a step above um, even Mario Galaxy. It just has that constant sense of wonder of, like, uh, maybe not the word wonder because Mario games are often filled with wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just this sense of, like, you can do just about anything you actually think you can. Um, and it's, it's that, uh, accessibility and, um, ability to really do whatever you want that makes this game incredibly fun. Um, and you know, we don't, now that I'm thinking about it, there are a lot of kingdoms and we don't have to jump through all of them. What was your favorite Um, one, Josh? I I was actually just thinking that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I I don't want to talk about capture mechanics and your favorite capture mechanic as well, but I would say there are some truly standout kingdoms, um, the Metro Kingdom is one of them, New Donk City, and that one um, really is famous for um, multiple reasons. But my personal favorite has got to go to, and I'm kind of looking through these again just to double check, it's got to be Bowser's Kingdom. Um, the Bowser Kingdom was, and it's one of the last ones you get to, and Bowser's Kingdom is really unique because it puts you into instead of like in a lot of Mario games, instead of it being like this um, lava level, 
um, where you're going through a castle. Instead, it's this like Asian aesthetic. Yeah, every and Bowser it, level has looked the same up until this point. Yeah, and it's this really surprising like, oh, this is interesting. It's it's got like this samurai feel. Yeah, and there's like, um big statues of bowser like wielding like different things and stuff like that um that really just set it apart and and they're they're also interesting in this game itself um the way that the different courtyards are displayed because they're all separate um unlike the mario 64 inspired levels where they're all kind of just exploring based and you can kind of like run in any direction um bowser's kingdom was like different sects of uh like challenges and and they're all like floating islands but a very linear feel yeah very linear feel and like floating islands and these like really gorgeous like um multicolored clouds and it really just i i think the aesthetic of it was like really what drew me in and it's but then it surprised me a little bit because i i popped into Bowser's world and saw this as like, oh, you know, sometimes I forget this game is made in Japan. And I kind of feel like this was a cool homage to, uh, I don't exactly. know, the old Japanese culture and like, don't forget who makes this game. <laughs> I just thought and, it was cool. And, yeah. And the fact that this was in a Mario game too, was yeah. just like really awesome. Um, and I felt like they just did a really great job with that kingdom specifically. And then they take um, in this specific kingdom, the idea of a capture um, and play with it a lot in the little birds that you can capture, which are like these little fat, um, basically, um, like woodpeckers Mm -hmm. with like a big bill Mm -hmm. and you can stick the bill into a wall and then fling yourself, um, which is just, which is just a super innovative idea anyway. I mean, you already kind of played with that whole, like they have street cones in, uh, Metro, Metro city where you can, throw your cap on the cone and fling yourself in a certain direction like a you know you know but then they they do this with a capture mechanic and it's just ingenious like who thought of this who thought of a little woodpecker that sticks its nose into a wall bends its own beak and flings you in a direction <laughs> like who who yeah. thinks of these things and that's the awesome thing like just in general about this game is that it's constantly being innovative and throwing new mechanics at you and they're instantly like able like easily able to be grasped and um you're constantly being rewarded through the like prevalence of the moons and it's just it's great um the whole game in general but bowser's kingdom specifically was the my favorite my favorite what about you? was uh was moon kingdom aside from metroid because like the um metro kingdom new donk city is like a conglomerate it's like they somehow fit a bustling metropolis that's actually pretty small when you look at the map and it makes it feel huge. Like you're Mario running around like Spider-Man in New York City. It's actually really cool. And so aside from that one though, just on pure like mechanics and aesthetic alone, I really like the Moon Kingdom because you get to the That's moon. That's an interesting pick actually. And you can jump really high. I just thought it was really cool. Um, and there's kind of wedding bells because it's the final level on the, you know, there's wedding bells in the background. I just thought that one was really cool. Yeah, I like the aesthetic for it for sure. And there's like an entire underground like moon hellscape yep where you're like running through like this lava base and then um even in that you're introduced to more capture mechanics that are incredibly interesting including the ability to take over flying dry bones and then just like fly yeah um which is really cool but um i guess in order to wrap up this idea of the kingdoms and really this is where the beauty of the game lies 
um, is in the variety that are um, introduced to you through the kingdoms. But uh, I do want to talk about those music moments. Yeah. Metro Kingdom specifically, which is probably the standout kingdom in the entire game. Totally Like you said, kind of like Spider-Man running around. And you can really just spend, I mean, you could probably spend two hours and still find new things. That's kind of why the game took me so long is because I spent so much time in the Metro Kingdom. It was, it felt endless. Yeah. And you're constantly turning a corner, seeing something new and interesting. And sure enough, you're rewarded either with a moon or with some interesting new capture mechanic. Um and it's a full-fledged city, and it kind of, it really does kind of put the other kingdoms to shame. I agree. Um, yeah. With how multi-layered it is, but um, you, when you first go to the kingdom too, it kind of stands out because you're, it's raining, yeah, and it's dark, and you can't see everything, and then you have to pretty much traditionally go through like a linear level to get to the end and fight the boss, and then after that, um, it really just opens up. And the music there um, really accentuates just how exciting and fun and upbeat the game is. And you're uh, kind of lost my train of thought, but um, when when it transitions into the brighter um, Metro New Donk City, you're able to just really just take it on and run from place to place. And it's just really, it's a great, I, I'd say like pure example of what makes this game. Yes. The best Amazing. example, yeah, yeah, yeah. You For know, sure, the best example. There's a couple kingdoms that uh, do that, I believe. Like Snow Kingdom starts in a blizzard. You can't, you literally can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face uh, when you're you hop off the ship and you have to go find. The, and then it opens up into this snowy paradise. Metro Kingdom goes through two transformations. You get there and it's like raining and lightning, and you're trying to go through um, the the city and, and whatever else. And then you. Um, and then it opens up and becomes daytime and everyone's happy and going to work and whatever else. And then you uh, accomplish the next big task and it turns into a party scene and everyone's partying and the entire aesthetic of the city changes. Uh, and it's it's incredible that they had went took an entire kingdom and put it through two massive aesthetic changes um, just in one level. And it really, it really accentuates the um, creativity of this game. Uh, and I, that, you know, it hands down is the the shining star of this game and that's the party scene that we wanted to talk about right. the music moment um jump up superstar is the name of the song and it's just like this celebration i would say of of not only this game but of mario like you're just you're playing um like these 2d portions and the music in the background is you know jump up superstar just like getting you incredibly excited and there's fireworks going off and it's just like this perfect culmination of of joy and the sense of excitement that this game has and um for for all its like lack of epicness maybe that like a galaxy would have um it's the moments like that that really just pull this game and and make it while worth the experience like you I th- when you finished the game you texted me and you were like what a dope mario game <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and i think that's just like that perfectly explains it. Um, it's just a dope Mario game. And I, I, I really wanted to do- dive into all the different kingdoms because each of them have moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a whole entire dragon fight that happens in one kingdom. And the Luncheon Kingdom has 
my favorite capture of probably the entire game where you literally you throw your hat at a piece of meat and you become this giant slab <laughs> of meat just like and then you wiggle like yep. this disgusting wiggle <laughs> i like that part was like Fantastic. what in the world is this game like <laughs> uh, like it, it's just like constantly innovating and constantly throwing new ideas at you um but then it really just hits you with nostalgic moments yep. and moments of like this is an awesome game, and that includes that music moment. Yeah, um, Josh, can I play and, some of that song? Um, I have it sure, right here. Let I me mean, see if let yeah, me, if you let have me get it. it here. Here we go off the rails. Don't you know it's time to raise our sails? It's freedom like you never. The other song too is um, at the very end of the game, and that was another surprising moment where I was like, "No way!" Basically, what happens is, and I'm spoiling it, but um, when you get to the final boss with Bowser, um, you face him, you fight him, you defeat him, and then you guys are both stuck on the moon as it's crumbling. And Peach is like, "What are we gonna do?" Mar- uh, Bowser's knocked out, and sure enough, you look over at Bowser, and my first thought was like okay, I got to try this. And I threw my cap at Bowser and you become an inhabit Bowser against his will. <laughs> and um, and then you start just running through as Bowser and you're taking out all these different like obstacles and stuff and the music just picks up. Um, and actually, it might not happen until a little bit later. Yeah, but, there's two um, parts. Yeah, the, the yeah, song like a picks two up part in the second song. half. Yeah. But it's just stuffed full of moments like that. Um, and it's really awesome. Uh, do you have a pull up? I do have it, yeah, but it's going to be on my phone, so you're going to have to not talk for a second. <laughs> or, or do you want to just insert it later? Um, I mean, honestly, I could finish out the the podcast with the song. That would be cool, actually. Yeah, why don't you do um, that? That'd be cool. Okay, Yeah. let's do that. That'd be better um, audio quality, I think. I want to point out one last kingdom, um, and that's the Mushroom Kingdom that happens at oh, the very Oh, yeah, end. absolutely. So this is a direct homage to mario 64 and this more than anything is just stuffed full of nostalgia this is where you find yoshi and you can capture yoshi and like run around and jump on him but it's like this recreation of the very beginning of super mario 64 um and even in the um we didn't even talk about the costumes uh i know but the See, this is the thing. This game is so stuffed full of all kinds of interesting stuff. Quickly, um, I'll just explain the costumes real quick. You get to the, the first level, and you can go into a store and buy a costume. It's right there at the front, and it costs like 15 coins total to buy a hat and an, an outfit. 
So it's very and accessible. Each kingdom. Yeah, at each kingdom, you use the currency of that kingdom and your normal coins to buy whatever outfit you want. And they're wacky, they're zany. You can go as a clown, as a surfer. You can go in just your underwear. Like it's it's fantastic, and it made me look forward to this the store every time I got to a new level to see what outfit they had. So it was really cool dynamic, uh, and it's actually a crucial part of unlocking certain moons. You have to be wearing a certain outfit to go into right. certain doors. So it was actually an, another level of the game that they just did really well. And there's these little 2D sections that are like, oh yeah, um, strewn about throughout the game. And it, whenever you jump into them, Mario actually retains his costume. Mm-hmm. So they went mm-hmm. out of their way, add that extra level of detail, and create a sprite with Mario wearing that costume. So if he's wearing like his Mexican costume, he's got a little sombrero on. Yep. Um, and then, like I was saying, with the mu- Mushroom Kingdom at the very end, there's actually a costume that makes you into the chunky, disgusting 64 polygon um, Mario. Yep. You can get like um, his... Remember that face that you can just like tug on in Mario 64 at the very beginning? Um, it's that. And it's just like this cool little like extra detail. And then you can just play the whole game as that if you wanted. Um, and that experience, like when you're, when you first just land on the Mushroom Kingdom, I would say is just well worth the entire trip yes. that it takes to get there. Absolutely. Um, so I guess with that in mind, um, we can go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, there's a question here. You said, did Peach have a feminist moment? Yeah. What are you talking about? So, so I'm going to have to... um, So, at the finale, Mario and Bowser are fighting over... They finished beating each other up, right? And so, they're back at the ship. They're about to leave the planet. And Bowser is so persistent that he still tries to give Peach flowers. And then Mario sees this. Bowser trying to woo his woman. And he grabs some flowers. And they're both trying to shove their flowers in Peach's face. And she rejects both of them. She, like, does this little, like, ugh, men, and then, like, rejects both of them. And <laughs> yeah, it actually right. prompted many, several articles. Much, uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, it prompted the website feministfrequency.com to write an article entitled Peach's Tiny Taste of Freedom, Gender in Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> like, oh, great. And, you know, and it's just funny to me how it's, like, it. I would say that this is the most self-aware Mario game they've ever created. Like mm. it was so in time. It was all the unique dynamics. It was a harken back to the 64. It had a lot of the same freedoms that Super Mario Sunshine did, but a lot of the best of the mechanics that Super Mario Galaxy did. And so it really was the most self-aware Mario game that they've created thus far. Uh, my personal favorite well, that's hard to say because I'm nostalgic, but but one of my personal favorites for sure, and uh, it it just yeah, you know, even with a peach feminist moment, <laughs> I do I like that moment too because like as soon as Peach basically rejects both Mario and Bowser, the camera like pans back and Bowser and Mario are both like sad and depressed, and Mario's like consoling yeah. Bowser for the moment. <laughs> They're like <laughs> crying. <laughs> Which is hilarious because he had just inhabited his brain, <laughs> like not more than ten minutes before. But. Yeah. So, I, I guess all that to say, I don't even think we need a debate. No, we don't. I think this game absolutely should be entered into the Hall absolutely. of Games for sure. It's a fun fest. Like it's just frenetic. It's fast paced. It's full of tons of just amazing moments, um, and it may not have that sense of emotional gut punch like you said. 
um, that a Galaxy would. And and personally, like I can't help but cling to my moments with Galaxy uh, more than this game. But it just it's it's chock full of innovation. It's chock full of crazy ideas and like wow, they actually went there moments. Yep. Um, and so it's well worth being entered into our Hall of Games. Um, and I just want to close this out asking one simple question is mario is he like a dwarf creature <laughs> like is because this was another thing that the and this is where you kind of like saying self-aware but in the metro kingdom there are like actual like humans like walking around and they don't look like mario um he's like this weird squat strange bizarre and i was kind of like oh like okay um. So he's not a human. Do you think this is Japan's way of saying we we resent the fact that Asians are typically shorter than everyone else? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> very very possibly. Yeah. Also, Mario doesn't age, which is something I found out. Yeah. His canon age is twenty six. So he looks terrible. First of all, for twenty six. <laughs> um, but also maybe his like his um trips to space have kept him from aging. Sure. He can just be this timeless warlord <laughs> now inhabiting. <laughs> yeah, and like inhabiting the minds oh, of other creatures gosh. now. Yeah. So. That's funny. Anyway, uh, I guess we can end this with our kachunk. Super Mario Odyssey is in the Hall of Games. Absolutely. Um, and with that in mind, I mean, we could talk about this all day. Honestly, we, uh, we really could. There's just so much to this game, um, but we'll close it out there. Highly recommend. Yes, absolutely. Highly recommend to everyone. Pick this up. It's still 60 bucks. I know it's an older game, and it's still, like, it doesn't, Mario, or not Mario, Nintendo mm-hmm. doesn't typically put um, price cuts on their games, mm-hmm. but occasionally you'll see it on the eShop at a lower price, but even at 60 bucks, I think it's well Absolutely. Yeah, 9.9 out of 10. Great, great game. Definitely. So um, I guess that's it from us this week. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys all next time. Yeah.